and young adults and investing into their lives uh, cannot be uh, understated. Uh, they are the next generation. Uh, they are the, the next craft coming up uh, in our culture. And uh, we have to continue to invest in them, to empower them uh, for what comes and what may come in our culture and in their lives when it comes to their relationship with the Lord. Now, why doesn't this tend to happen? Even though we know and people have known for ages that the youth and the next generation coming up you have to pass the baton well, uh, in culture across all ages, all times, uh, there's been a downplay on youth culture. Uh, this isn't unique to American culture or modern day. Uh, throughout history, Culture is mostly seen, not only teens, but kids, as either a nuisance, something in the way, free or very cheap labor, uh, or just uh, someone that is there. They don't really know what to do with them. Uh, And so uh, that's one reason I think sometimes this uh, culture, the youth culture, sometimes gets downplayed. It's been something part of our human history for a very long time. Another reason is what I call um, Sunday school culture. Um, so what I mean by that is, does anyone remember flannel graphs from back in the day? Yes, flannel graphs, awesome. And uh, if you ever remember the Bible stories from flannel graphs, most, if not all, Bible characters were like men in their like mid-40s, like with beards. Um, and so we learned that like the apostles and the prophets, like they all kind of have this image, like if you look at images on Google or anything like that, most of the images of Bible characters are middle-aged men with beards. Uh, and so we get this picture that, okay, yeah, most people in the Bible, they're like middle-aged, somewhere in there. There may be one or two that are a little like younger, something like that. But you kind of get this culture of, let's call it Sunday school culture, of just like that's what we think of Bible characters. Uh, and then uh, lastly, within churches in general, uh, churches in general tend to age. Seen a lot of different churches from my time in Missouri and Dallas and here, uh, and just by default, churches tend to get older, uh, and so that always pr- provides a unique challenge for churches uh, to how do you manage that tension of the older generation and the younger generation coming in to church. Those churches that can't make that turn, that pivot, to continue to invest in the next generation, eventually get older and older, and they die as a church. Um, and it's sad to see that. And so these are some of the forces against teens and kids in general uh, when it comes to not only uh, valuing them as people, but also seeing them as valuable people for the kingdom of God. And that God would use them in mighty ways. Today, it is my hope uh, to show several people in the Bible that were teens. And I'm going to be using uh, this verse, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. It's our theme verse for today. Uh, you can turn there if you would like. Uh, we're not going to be like hanging out on the verse and like dissecting the verse this morning. Uh, but Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Now, when I was prepping this sermon, this passage came to mind because it's very similar in its style. Verse, or chapter 11 is a list of uh, people of faith that God used in the Bible. And it said that Hebrews 
can also be a sermon in, in itself. That maybe it was a recorded sermon, and that they recorded it down and wrote it down. And, and so uh, I was thinking about this, and I was like, oh, my sermon is kind of like Hebrews 11. And then he sums up saying, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. So I'm playing off that a little bit. Uh, we're not going to go through Hebrews 11 and look at uh, the men and women in that chapter. But I have my own little list of a great cloud of witnesses uh, that are keys in the Bible. And we're going to go through, and we're going to start with easy ones that maybe most of you know and are familiar with. And we're going to work through, and uh, by the end, uh, one of my hopes is that it would surprise you. It would surprise you that the people that maybe we thought were middle-aged men with beards uh, are very young. And God was investing into them and using them to expand the kingdom of God. It's also my hope that through doing this, it would inspire us to see how our church can play a small role in what God has always been doing, which is investing and pouring into and using teens for his kingdom. So to start, we're going to start with what I said is an easy one, right? Uh, so we're going to start with David. Uh, King David, as some of you may know him. Uh, King David, or David, when he slayed Goliath, uh, was most likely uh, 13 to 17 years old, somewhere in that age range. Uh, how do we know this? Uh, well, historians and the Bible, uh, we can kind of put this together. There is no exact age of David that is given. But we know that he's the youngest of his siblings. Uh, and that in Samuel 17, 3, uh, he's called a youth. And so when we put these pieces together uh, and we look at the amount of siblings he has ahead of him, we can deduce that he was probably somewhere between 13 and 17 years old when God used him to slay Goliath and start to lead God's people and expand God's kingdom. And so this one, it's like, okay, we, we kind of know this. We, we know David was kind of younger. I don't need to go into that too much there. Uh, most of us know that. Okay, second one is Mary. Uh, Mother Mary, one who gave birth to Jesus. Now, again, there's nothing really in the Bible that says exactly her age, uh, but from our knowledge of Jewish culture and that time, uh, and some other pieces we can put together from the Bible, historians, cultural practices, and passages in the Bible point to Mary being somewhere between 14 and 16 years old. 14 and 16 years old. And God came, uh, came to her, last an angel came to her, uh, and said, you are going to be with child, they will call him Emmanuel, and he will be the Son of God. And we all know him as Jesus. He went on to uh, do incredible things and die for our sins, resurrect uh, from the dead. And so God used a young teen uh, who was soon to be very misunderstood by a lot of people when she said that, uh, you know, I'm a virgin, but I have, uh, I'm pregnant. Uh, and so uh, Mary, or God used Mary in, in a very important way as a 14 and 16 year old. Next person we're going to look at is Timothy. Timothy. Who is Timothy? Uh, well, Timothy, uh, you will find him in the New Testament. Uh, Timothy was somewhat of a mentee of Paul, the Apostle Paul. There's two books named after him, First and Second Timothy in the Bible. I'll take you back to your Bible. And uh, Timothy was being discipled or mentored by the Apostle Paul. 
when Paul called him to go into what we probably call full-time ministry today and start uh, helping to strengthen churches and eventually become pastor of church, Timothy was around 18 to 25 years old. We know this because uh, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, Paul calls him a youth. And since that time, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, it has been about 15 years since Timothy has been traveling with Paul. Now, we have to understand something about Jewish culture. A youth was defined as anyone really below 30, 35, like somewhere along that line. So you could be 29 and be called a youth in Jewish culture. Uh, and we think young adults and extended adolescents is what we say. Uh, <laughs> They were, they were calling uh, 25-year-olds youth back in Jewish uh, culture. So Timothy uh, was a young man uh, when Paul called him and saw potential in him and said, I want uh, to bring you along and God is going to use you to continue to strengthen and expand his kingdom. And so this is someone, now we're starting to get a little, little deeper, a little deeper as far as we didn't know that Timothy uh, was young, someone who was younger. Uh, the next person is Joseph. Now, Joseph is also, I think, around the same uh, category as Timothy, uh, but what's surprising is they actually do give the age of Joseph. Um, in Genesis 37, it says that he was 17 when his brothers sold him into ownership of an, uh, a family that came by, a clan that came by, and sold him into what slavery uh, to that clan. Uh, that group of people sold him off to Potiphar, as uh, so we know uh, that story of Potiphar's wife. And so Joseph was 17 years old when his journey uh, towards eventually saving God's people, uh, because only a few years after that, there was a drought uh, and famine in the place that his family was living. And so they came down to Egypt, not knowing that it was Joseph, and they said, we need help. We need to be able to live somewhere and get food. And Joseph, through God working through him, had prepped for this and was being used by God to preserve the people of God. Only 17, most likely 19 to 20, when people, when God's people came down into Egypt to be helped by Joseph. Okay, so let's keep moving on here. We have Esther. Now, Esther is probably the one that has the biggest question mark around it. And you'll probably hear, if you look into this some more, there is a little more debate on really how old she was. But the common understanding, and there are definitely arguments for uh, Esther being about 15 to 20 years old uh, when she was uh, called by Xerxes, the king, uh, to be his wife. And to give a little background on this story, uh, the people of God were taken into captivity. Uh, they were not in a place of comfort uh, in this uh, in the land they were living, and so and there was really no like hope or plan. It was just kind of like you know, we're here. This is kind of rough. Uh, how is this going to work out? And God used Esther, a young girl, probably 15 to 20 years old, when God worked through her to eventually. Uh, save, again, the people of God and preserve them and continue to expand 
his kingdom. And so now he has three more people, one blasphemy, a group of people. And so some of these now, now we're getting into the weeds. Now, now, now we're getting into like, wow, maybe we didn't know this. Uh, the, first, the next one is Samuel. Uh, Samuel uh, was somewhere between 13, 12 and 13. 12 and 13 years old when uh, God called him. We know this because the word youth isn't used, but young boy. Uh, so this is, this is something that uh, in the Hebrew and through culture you would see that this is even like younger than what we define as youth. And so he is really young. He's probably one of the youngest out of the whole crew that we're looking at today. Um, but God, God used him and said, I'm not going to look at your age. I'm going to look at your heart. And I want to use you to minister to my people. 12 and 13 years old. The next one is the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah is pretty much a solid consensus that Jeremiah was anywhere between 13 and 17 when he was doing ministry and prophesying to the people of Israel. I went to seminary and this surprised me. <laughs> I didn't know this uh, while, I was pre- while I was prepping for this sermon uh, this week. Uh, Jeremiah, I always, again, the Sunday school culture, I always just pictured every prophet, right, having the beard, being this, like, stately type of person going around. Jeremiah was a young guy, very young, and God called him to do some radical things and say some very bold things to the people of God to steer them back to him. And so Jeremiah, one of the prophets, was a teen when called by God and used by God to expand his kingdom. And lastly, and one that I think had the most impact on my own life and one that was the most surprising to me, uh, is the apostles. Again, through Sunday school culture and through Google images, most uh, things we've seen. If the apostles were somewhere between Christ 40 and 50 uh, years old, again, middle-aged men with beards. Uh, now, the evidence for them being younger uh, is it leans towards them being younger. There's really no, like, definitive evidence, right, in the Bible or in culture saying, well, look, it says in this verse that they're this old. There's several pieces of the picture we can put together, and we can most likely deduce uh, that the oldest one was probably in his youngest, young 20s, and the youngest was around 13 or 14 years old when they were called by Jesus. What are, some of the, what are the couple of things that uh, help us understand that they are most likely teenagers as Jesus' 12 apostles? Well, the first one is the age of marriage in Jewish culture. Uh, the age of marriage uh, was uh, 20 years old. Uh, and so at 20 years old, uh, in the Jewish culture, you would be given a wife. The only person that is mentioned about having a wife is Peter. Uh, and so scholars have deduced that the other men probably weren't married. You also have this uh, understanding, and you can start putting the pieces together. It's not really that much different than our culture today. Uh, when it comes to the traditions of rabbis taking on disciples. Jesus was a rabbi, a teacher of the Jewish law. He was a rabbi, and all rabbis at 30 years old would take on disciples. Uh, it's kind of the start of their ministry as a rabbi. Jesus was 30 years old when he started his ministry. And 
picked and selected uh, 12 young men to be his disciples. And as in today, if you are 30, 40, or 50 years old and you're in trade, you want to get someone who's younger. You want to get a young uh, guy or girl to train them in your trade. This is what rabbis did also. They were 30, young 30s, and they would look for the uh, young uh, Jewish youth who would be maybe interested in becoming a rabbi or getting deeper into the faith, and they would take them on when they were a young teen, a teenager. And this makes sense. It would be weird uh, for a rabbi at that time who was 30 or something to take on a 50-year-old as a disciple. That seems odd. Very out of place. Uh, the other thing that we see is the apostles' flexibility in just being able to move around a lot with Jesus' ministry. Scholars have said it would be very odd if 12 men who are married with children were able just to pick up and go and leave them and be able to go wherever Jesus wanted to go at any moment. It was most likely that the apostles were young, single men who had a lot of energy and had the freedom and flexibility to go whenever and wherever Jesus called. And so that's another argument that says they're most likely younger. We see a passage uh, with the, the Sons of Thunder where the, their mom is trying to strong arm uh, their way into the kingdom. And she starts to kind of pressing Jesus, saying, Hey, I want my kids to be up, up like front. You know, I want them to be like the main people in the kingdom, Jesus. It would be odd for a mom of a 50 year old man to do that. Um, this is another argument a lot of scholars look at and say, this makes more sense uh, that there's a very strong, passionate mom, and they're looking at their young child and saying, I am going to voice it. They might be a little shy. They might be, they won't be saying anything, but I'm going to voice up for them. And if you're a mom or a parent, it's, it's normal, right? You've done this probably with your own children. You speak up and try to get your children ahead. This is what that mom was doing. And then lastly, one that comes back over and over again is how he references uh, his apostles as little children. Again, it would be odd that he would say married, uh, married men with children of his ears to say that they're little children. Um, now, there are some other layers of him saying little children as far as spiritual uh, layers, as far as just having innocence in your faith. But scholars also deduce that this title definitely leans towards them being younger. And so, what does that mean? We've looked at all of these different people in the Bible who were teens. And the one I think is the most compelling is the apostles. It really uh, impacted me when I learned that when God came to earth, uh, he picked a group of young teenage boys and young adults to invest in for three years. And it would make sense. These are, these are young guys who are going to go out and live their life. These are young guys that have passion, that have ideas, that are wrestling through how do all these things uh, combine, how, how do they mesh. And Jesus comes in and starts forming and shaping their understanding of who God is, what the kingdom is all about, so that they can then go on, live their life, and continue to impact more people starting at a very young age. This is something that impacted my understanding of youth ministry. The importance of being a youth pastor, having a youth pastor. This isn't some side thing that churches do. 
this isn't a side thing that you just kind of do until like you become like pastor pastor. Jesus picked a group of twelve teenage boys. And I, I when I re look at the passages in those gospels, it makes so much more sense now that I've been with teens. <laughs> Jesus tells them things and like a moment later they're like, What? We didn't understand that. Uh, <laughs> Makes so much more sense. I love reading the Gospels now. <laughs> like, yes, I understand you, Jesus. I understand the frustration. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, just something that impacted me as a, as a, a young pastor uh, seeing this, that it is very close to the heart of God to call out uh, young people and to empower them and to show them a way to live for the kingdom of God. And so, uh, my question to teens and my encouragement to teens is, teens, don't think you're too young to be used by God. You've looked at this great cloud of witnesses this morning, right? And to say, well, I'm just too young. I really can't do too much. I don't have that much influence in the world. God, as we've seen over and over again in the Bible, likes using youth. He likes using teens. He likes using young adults. And they did amazing things. We just went through very briefly many of the names and groups of people that God used. And I encourage you to go back and read those people's stories and see how God used them. And it's not like some weird like thing that would happen. It's normal. It's a normative thing for God to use youth. And so don't think you're too young. Don't think your age is something that is a deterrent to being used by God. My next uh, application or reflection to think in is for adults. Adults, be open to how God could use teens in your life to impact your relationship with Jesus. Be open to how God could use teens in your life to impact your relationship with Jesus. Many times, I've seen this in my own life and other adults' lives, uh, you just get into the adult world, right? You're dealing with adult things. Uh, and you can sometimes diminish or just be so busy that what your teen is saying or doing when it comes to their relationship with God, it's like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But wait until you're an adult. You're going to have, like, bigger issues to deal with. Um, this is, like, kind of a team thing. I would like to encourage you uh, to not harden your heart or close your heart off to how God could use a team in your life. I know as a youth pastor and as my volunteers would be able to say, uh, when they lead small groups of teens, when they do life next to them in our missions trips, our retreats that we do, we are teaching teens. That's definitely something that we do. We mentor teens as our youth ministry team does. But they speak to us in powerful ways. They help us grow in our relationship with God. They keep our passion for God very high, uh, very alive, because of their heart for God, their interest in God, their questions, and how God speaks to them. I love that teens, I know as adults, we start to assume things in certain ways. But teens, they, they don't have those categories. They don't see, well, it's impossible to go do this. I'm 
he's going to stand, the money it's going to cost, what resources it's going to do, all these different things. Jesus is like, let's go do it. Right? Let's go do it. Let's be used by God. And I think that's so refreshing to be around as an adult. And as a parent of a teen, which if you are a parent, I'm not a parent of a teen. Uh, if you are a parent of a teen, uh, be open to how God can use your teen to speak into your life. I know as a teen, I was a teen, I was growing in my faith. Um, I know I had a lot of great conversations with my mom about faith. My, my mom and my dad grew up Catholic. Um, I eventually ended up in a non-denominational church. And so those are two different worlds. And so my mom was able to come to understand different things about Jesus. Um, she actually came to understand the gospel uh, through, through that church. And we would always talk about the sermons afterward. And so when I was going through my teen years and attending church, I, I know that I had an impact on my parents' relationship with God. And I'm grateful they were open to that. And lastly, uh, our church. Now, not necessarily just Trinity Church, but the church as a whole, as far as the universal church, uh, but also our church. Um, how can we empower the next generation for the kingdom of God? How can we empower the next generation for the kingdom of God? I think a lot of times some churches can move into, well, there's a youth ministry over there, and they do the youth thing, and the rest of the church kind of does their own other thing. healthy way that we can move as Trinity and we can continue to move as Trinity BC Church is that we don't necessarily see children's ministry or youth ministry as some silo that happens, but that is an integral part of our body at Trinity. Our congregational life here at Trinity. And so how can we do that? How can we empower them in our musical teams? How can we empower them in sound how can we help them see that they can serve here at Trinity? What if we allow teens to come up with ideas for ministry? What if we allow teens to pick out songs every Sunday? What if we allow teens to come up with a vision of the church? These are some ideas we can think about. How can you come alongside our children's and youth ministry and pray for them? empower them to see that they can be used by God. This isn't some, like, yeah, this is a fun youth Sunday thing that we do. Uh, it's an important reminder for our church uh, that teens and kids are the future. Uh, they are the part of the church that we need to be able to hand off the baton to well. And that we want to create an atmosphere where the next generation is loving coming they love to be around us here at Trinity. But they feel very connected and involved in their faith. How can we continue to facilitate these ideas? What questions can we ask? What prayers can we pray that will open up these opportunities for the next generation? Imagine what it would look like. Imagine what that would look like. How would God use our church here at Trinity if we continue to invest and empower the next generation. I think we'd see a revival here in Boyertown. I think we'd see 
uh, not only teens and youth, but families come into Jesus. And so we don't need to make some radical change to our church. I think we do a great job. But there's always room for improvement. There's always room to keep growing. And I think that's a part of our legacy as Trinity. It's that the church has been in this community for 125 years. We've always invested in seeing the importance of teens and youth in this church and in our community. Let us not move towards uh, closing off our hearts, getting hard-hearted, as is most churches' tendency. Let's continue to soften our heart and see what God could do through the next generation in our community, here at church, and in your own personal life with Jesus. I want to thank you so much for your continued support of the ministry uh, and for me personally as a pastor in person. Uh, it is, as I said, a joy to serve here. Uh, I know that you guys do support teens in the ministry, uh, and it just makes my job a little easier and you know, takes the burden a little bit for me as a pastor. Uh, and so I just want to thank you for that. Uh, I pray that uh, this year, uh, from this time next year, maybe this Sunday, we'll see a continued growth in teens loving Jesus, our church loving Jesus, and that the next generation will feel more and more at home here, be able to grow and expand their faith and extend the kingdom of God. Because they are surrounded, and we are surrounded, by a great cloud of witnesses in the Bible. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we want to thank you so much for all these examples in the Bible of teens being used by you Lord, you came to earth and you invested in 12 young men's lives and shaped and changed them in ways that forever changed them and changed the world. Lord, we pray that uh, we would be open to what teens can do in this world through you. We would look to you to empower them, help our church continue to be a safe place for teens to come and explore uh, their faith and to grow in their love for you, God. Lord, we thank you so much for the next generation and all their ideas and their passions for you. Lord, we thank you also that you have a heart for youth and children. We pray this week you would do something new in our lives, breathe fresh breath into our hearts when it comes to our relationship with you, and we would grow in our love for you.